Thanks so much for being here. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, Caitlin and I were up at my grandparents' house in Bradenton, Florida, and it was a really cool time that we had just spending it with family. And here at Downtown Harbor Church, we are in our fifth and final week of this series called What Was I Thinking? It's this idea that we all kind of make decisions, and those decisions that we make impact our lives. And sometimes when we're at the end of those decisions, we say to ourselves, what were we thinking? How could I have done that? Why did I do that in my life? We've had some awesome times talking about how to make wise decisions and how to use our words carefully and how to interact with our family. And then last week, we talked about anger. And today, we're going to actually spend some time talking about wealth, and we're going to spend some time talking about money. And first of all, let me tell you about what we're going to do and then what we're not going to do, because anytime you kind of mention the M word in church, people kind of get nervous. This is not and will never be at Downtown Harbor Church a give your money to this church kind of a message. Um, There are some of you who do, and we're so thankful for that, but that's not what this message is today. What this message is, is it's talking about this idea of wealth and that all of us kind of have money and how do we manage that and what does that look like in each one of our lives so we don't have to answer this question related to our finances, what was I thinking? Allow me to air a little bit of my own dirty laundry as we begin. Some of you who know me know this about me and if you don't, you're going to get an extra special glimpse into my life. I love to spend money, okay? And like, it's just one of these things that is probably inherited from my family and how we spent money growing up because my mom was a big spender. But I got to tell you, for whatever reason, I love to actually spend money. It's something that I enjoy doing. I don't really get it. And if if you know my buddy, John, who was up here doing the announcements, like he exists like to try to get me to spend money because he like finds humor in it. So he'll like take me into a store I don't know. And he goes, man, those shoes are really nice. And I'm like, yes, let me head to the checkout. Like that's just how I work. Right. And so In this idea of me loving to spend money, one of the things that I did over the course of time was to develop, I actually developed some pretty bad habits. And Caitlin and I, in the first part of our marriage, we were in kind of loads of debt, basically because of my spending habits. And we had to make wiser decisions to kind of claw our way out of that, and we did that years ago. And so we actually have a lot of experience with this idea of money and wealth and asking the question, what was I thinking? Because we went through that. Even if you're young in the room and you're not like thinking about money yet, you will. So just tune in because the time will come when this will become an issue for you end your life. And as we talk about this series, what was I thinking? And we talk about money. We're not talking about whether you have a lot of money or a little money or whether you, you know, don't have a lot or, or you have oodles of it. It's not, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. All of us at different levels interact with this thing called wealth and money throughout our lives. That's why we want to make sure to take it so so seriously. And the ancient book of wisdom, Proverbs, which is where we've been all month long. Now, the ancient book of wisdom, Proverbs, was written by a guy named Solomon. Solomon was said to be the wisest person to have ever lived. But what we've discovered this month is that this ancient book of wisdom isn't actually so ancient. And when we actually look at what it says and put it into practice in our own lives today, things can be different in our lives for the better. And the cool thing is, this ancient book of wisdom, Proverbs, has a lot to say about money. In fact, when we developed this series, we went through the book of Proverbs and we kind of like unpacked what were its like top five hits, right? And said, what do we want to talk about with our folks at Downtown Harbor Church? And money was one of the top things that we wanted to talk about. So without further ado, 
let's dive in and take a look at what the book of Proverbs has to say about wealth and money because it's really important. Proverbs 10.4, lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers will get rich. Notice it doesn't say anywhere in this verse that money or wealth is a bad thing. It doesn't say in this verse that money is something that we shouldn't have. But what it does say is that if you don't work and you're lazy and you don't contribute and you don't go after something, you're going to end up what? Soon poor and hard workers get Rich, basically, when you kind of go forward and you work hard for something and you go after something, you can actually get rich. You can make money, and that's a good thing. Furthermore, in Proverbs 13, verse 11, it says this, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but don't miss this, wealth from hard work grows over time. Again, that idea of hard work. It's this idea that this book says, if you want to have wealth and if you want to contribute and you want to kind of make a nest egg for yourself and you want to do this, you can't be lazy. What do you have to do? You have to work hard. Nowhere in, any, in either of these two verses does it say that money is a bad thing. Money, in fact, can help make our lives better if used properly in each of our lives. So here's just an idea that I want to present to you. And it's a simple one, and I actually want to like call myself out on it after I put it up on the screen, because sometimes I disagree with even myself. But I want to put it up here so that you can take a look at it, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Here's, this, here's this something that I believe. You cannot live without money. Now, as soon as I wrote that, I said, wait a second, yes, you can. You can live without money. And sure enough, I was, like, I, I was driving down the road yesterday, and like I saw a guy who was a homeless guy, and he had a sign, and I'm always like impressed by like the homeless people signs. Like, aren't you like they're getting more creative these days? And so, like a lot of times, because I don't carry cash, if I wanted to give something to a homeless guy, he, you know, I, I only have my credit cards or my American Express, and, and so I generally can't give to homeless people, even though I'd want to sometimes. But this guy on his cardboard sign, he said, "Homeless, hungry, I accept Visa and American Ex or a Visa and Mastercard, but no American Express." So I still couldn't give him anything. But they're getting more creative, right? In their, you know, as the, in their time that they're out there, like they're getting Square accounts, which is really cool. Like you can just do it right on your phone. So I started to like negate this, even as I started to think about it. The fact that you could not live without money. But at the end of the day, let's think about this in a practical way, because money is the very thing that you need to be able to actually eat. You have to nourish your body. You have to put food in it. So money is actually the thing that in our culture today, whether this is good, bad, or indifferent, we need to be able to have food. Money is also the thing that we need to be able to have shelter, to put a roof over our head. I don't know if you've been out there in society recently, but I don't think there are a lot of people saying, hey, come and stay at my house for free or my apartment complex for free. There might be some people, but it's rare. Basically, it's this idea that you need money to survive. Talk about transportation. Whether you use public transportation or you have your own transportation, you still need dollars, resources, wealth to be able to participate in those kind of things. So a couple thousand years ago, you may have been able to survive in society without dollars. You may have been able to survive in society without money. But in this day and age, specifically in the United States of America, and even more specifically in South Florida, this M word is really, really important to how we live. And like I said, it doesn't mean that you have to have a lot of it or a little of it. You just need something to be able to get through every single day. You can't live without money. So if this is true, and this is something that we're marinating on in our brains, 
What does that mean that we should do about money? Week one of this series, I talked about this idea of right, wrong, or wise. Meaning that culture tells us to make right choices or wrong choices. It's not necessarily, is it the wise thing to do? But we ask ourselves the question, is it legally wrong? No. Is it morally wrong? No. Is it permissible? Sure. Then I can participate on it. And I kind of challenged us to eliminate that style of thinking and to say, hey, instead of asking those questions, let's ask this question, what is the wise thing to do? And if we're going to ask ourselves the question, what is the wise thing to do, then we specifically need to ask ourselves, what is the wise thing to do related to money? So here's a point I'd like to make. Money needs to be handled with wisdom. Money needs to be handled with wisdom. So it's this idea of taking that word wisdom and putting it into practice as it relates to our financial affairs. It's doing the exact thing that years ago when Caitlin and I first got married that I did not do. I have to tell you guys, not only did I buy a piece of property that was an acre and a half in Michigan in 2006. By the way, do you think that value held up throughout the years? No, but we got a timeshare. We had credit card bills. We had everything that you you could think of. Why? Because we weren't handling money with wisdom. So we ended up in this. And this is a word that I'm going to put on the screen and it's going to make a couple of you in the room uncomfortable because it made me uncomfortable the first time that I heard it. And I'm going to put this word up on the screen and some of you have a feeling inside you and you're like, I knew it. This word was going to come up today and I'm bad at it, and I need to make it better, but I just don't know how to manage and negotiate my way through this. Here's the word. Debt. Debt. A lot of us in the room are in debt. I have been in debt in my past, and I'm going to talk to you at the end about kind of what I did to move forward with that, but debt is a word that is so severe, it's so packed full of energy and emotion, and here's the truth about the word debt. Culture and society tells us that this is okay, that we should get into this, but I will tell you what happens when you have debt. You owe someone something. Debt is this idea that whether it's an organization or a company or whether it's another individual, when you have this, you actually owe someone something. Before I came into DHC today, I was working on the message. Um, I get up very, very early. I've been staring at the ceiling since about 1230 this morning, just thinking about this message. And so anyway, I got up really early and I was working on this and I was kind of playing on Facebook just a little bit to take a break. And I saw something in my newsfeed. It was a status of a friend of mine. And the status read like this. He said, I am $89,000 in debt and I can't seem to crawl my way out of it. Any suggestions? And I was like, this is exactly what we're talking about today, this idea of debt. And here's the deal, everybody's in it. Everybody's in debt. And maybe even those of us who have gotten out of debt, there was a point in time that we were in it. And let me tell you what Proverbs says about debt, because it is one of the most severe and like impactful verses in all of scripture that I've ever read. And it impacted my life in such a way that I said, I can't live like this anymore. Here's what it said. Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. It uses a very severe word, slave. And our country 
America specifically has a direct history with this word, so we know the severity of it. We know how bad it is. We know how much we never want to be this or we ever even want to get close to this again. We know that it's so not good that we don't even want to come close to it, but Proverbs 22 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Do you know what that means? Because I googled slave. And I actually Googled what was the most like, uh, common definition of this word. And it was so powerful and impactful. That's why I believe that it's used right here. This is what the word slave says. A person who is the legal property of another and is forced to obey them. Whoa. A person who's the legal property of another and is forced to obey them. The ritual over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Forced, 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 forced. You have no choice. This is how bad this is. Forced to obey the lender. Let me tell you what happens in your life when you're in debt. Because there are a couple of things that I've kind of narrowed down and I think are so important for us to understand and realize that happen when we are in this thing called debt and when we are riddled with debt and why it's so important that we don't stay there. Here's the first thing. You can't give. When you're in debt, it is very difficult to give. And I told you I wasn't going to talk about giving to the church today. I'm not just talking about giving to your local church. I'm talking about giving back to your community. There are organizations in your community, good thoughtful, pure organizations that need our help. But when we're riddled with debt, we always can't give to them. And here's the deal. We want to, as Christians, as followers of the Jesus movement, we want to figure out how we can do this to the best of our ability, how we can give. We want to be generous people. And I talk about this when I, there, I think about this when I think about Jesus, because Jesus gave his entire life his whole purpose was to give. And when we're riddled with debt, we can't give. It is next to impossible to give. Let me tell you something else that we can't do when we're riddled with debt. We can't enjoy. It makes it very difficult to enjoy. And I'll tell you this. Here at Downtown Harbor Church, we've been playing with some words over the course of time. This idea of loving God by loving your neighbor as yourself, loving others around you, loving people. And we've also kind of taken that to another level. We've said this phrase over and over as we've had staff meetings and talked about messages and content, and we're going to roll it out. But it's this idea of loving God, loving people, and don't miss this, loving life. And when you're in debt, it's really difficult to enjoy the one and only life that you have. It's really difficult to say, yes, I want to celebrate. Yes, I want to party. Yes, I want to travel. Yes, I want to be with the people who I love because you're so ridden with debt that you can't even enjoy. You can't even enjoy your life. And the third thing is that happens when you're in debt that is really brutal is that your relationships suffer. Whether you're in a dating relationship or you're in a marriage relationship or, 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 or you're in a family situation and you're, you're in debt, those things suffer, those relationships suffer. And furthermore, it comes out that you can't even, like the number one tension in marriages is this idea of money. It's this idea that we can't do what we want to do and invest with each other. Why? Because we are so riddled with debt. So I did some research, and this number is staggering. This is a nationwide stat for people under the age of 35 and the debt that 
households carry. First of all, I did some research on what was the top like four or five like things that people were in debt with. Number one's credit card. I got, because I wanted to see how many I would get, I got between last Sunday and yesterday when I got the mail, eight credit card offers in my mailbox. And ladies and gentlemen, there was no mail Thursday. You know what I mean? Like, so they're actively being produced. I got eight, and I was like, if you have no willpower, if you can't say no to these things, look how easy this is to get into credit card debt. Student loans. People have student loans and are riddled with student loan debt. I know people who go to school for four or five years because society has said that's the way that you need to be and that's what you need to do. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with post-secondary education. I think people should go. I went. But my sister, I'm just going to give you an example. She went to school for five years and left with a ton of student loan debt and then she became a teacher and her first starting salary was around like 20-something thousand a year. She can't pay those off. It's difficult. Another thing that uh, people are in trouble with is their mortgage. I don't know if you've ever taken a mortgage, but a lot of people's stomachs are bigger than their mouths. And they take on a little bit more than they can chew. And that's how we ended up in a huge financial crisis in 2008 because people got into things that they couldn't afford and that they couldn't pay for. And the last one is this, auto loans. Have you met people whose car payment is like $800 a month? Like, because like we just say, like there's ads everywhere and we can't, we can't like turn away from this. So what do we do? We get ourselves into debt because that's what culture tells us to do. And the average number that every household is in debt under the age of 35 in our country, $203,163. Now, in South Florida, this number is even a little more stomachable than in other parts of the country because down here there just is a lot of wealth. We're in a very affluent community. We're in a place where people just have some money. But if you went to my small town in Michigan, because this number is an average, if you went to my small town in Michigan, this number is flabbergasting. And this is an average based on our entire country under the age of 35. And here's what happens when this number kind of gets bigger. Stay with me. I want to unpack this with you. This number gets bigger or stays big. Do you know what happens? It means that we get more stuff. And I don't know about you, but if you're like me, I love stuff. I love things. I opened up the message today with this idea that I love to spend money. I do. I love stuff. And so what happens is, as this number gets bigger, it almost becomes an addiction. It almost becomes one of these things where we go, I got to have more things because I saw this ad or my friend has this. And then all of a sudden, we fall in love with this number. There's just a couple of things that I want to say to you very bluntly related to this and how we manage finances within our personal homes. It's a couple of things. Number one. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. There is good debt and there is bad debt, yes. And if you talk to any kind of financial person, they will tell you that there is good debt that you can be in. But for the most part, our country, people who are individuals are not in good debt. Second thing I want to say about debt, and I would say this to myself 10 years ago if I could look myself in the face as bluntly as I'll say it to all of you. If you can't pay for it, you should not buy it. But we think 
just because we want it that it's okay to buy it. And then over the course of time, we fall in love with this number and the love for money consumes our life because it gets us more stuff. And then even when we can't pay for it, we just kind of go, well, that's okay because they told me it was okay and they gave me this credit card offer and they gave me this number. Is it really my fault? But here's what happens when this grows and debt grows and your love for money grows. You start to be consumed with it. And I want to tell you this. If you love money more than people, you will never get the most out of this life. If you love money more than people, your life will be empty. Your life will be alone. If you love money more than your brother or sister next to you or someone in your family, you will eventually end up in such a deep, dark place because here's the truth about everything kind of related to these things, right? This will all go away. This will all fade. This is gone, but people in our lives will never, ever be able to be replaced. People are the most important things that we could ever have in our life. And so often, when we love money so much, we end up missing the people part of the equation. So we've talked about what happens when you're in debt. You almost develop a love for money. And when you're in debt, there's something that I just want to say to you that is so important for us to understand as we talk about money and money management and what this looks like. When you are in debt, you are very unlikely to experience any part of the next word that I will put on the screen. And this is this. It's generosity. Generosity. Generosity is so important. Generosity is this idea that you would give of yourself and more importantly, give of your wealth to someone else or to organizations who could use it to make the world a better place. I don't know if you've struggled with generosity over the course of time like I had, but I will tell you this. When I was in debt, I found it nearly impossible to be a generous person. And here's what I want you to know. If you are not generous, very simply, you're missing out. You are missing out. I heard a story one time about a guy and his family who lived in a college town, and they ate at the same restaurant frequently, maybe twice a month. And every single time that they went there, they were waited on by a waitress who was a student at that college. And over the course of their four years of getting to know her before she graduated, they got to build a relationship, and she actually got to engage with them at their home. And they built a friendship, and they built a relationship together. And then, I'll never forget when I read this, it was scheduled to be their last meal together because she was going to be moving away from the college town and she was going to be going out into the workforce and kind of going after what she had. But she had always shared with them throughout the course of her time with them how much of a struggle what was going on with her student loans were. And that's why she worked, so that she could help pay her student loans. But she still had a pretty hefty balance as she graduated college. And the man and his family got their final bill with this woman, and they wrote in the tip column, we are going to pay your balance on your student loans. That's generosity. 
And I know that all of us are probably never going to be in a position to do something like that, but here's the deal. If we get our financial houses in order, there's some, day, there's, there's some day or maybe some way that we could do something like that for someone else. And if we don't, we're necessarily missing out on some of this. We're missing out on the joy of what this looks like because we haven't managed things properly. And here's the truth about all of us. Most people do not give anything away. Have you seen the show Hoarders? Right? Like, have you seen this show and, like, seen people, like, climb? And I know, like, people who are hoarders, like, they have stuff going on. And, like, I get it. But, like, most of us, it's not in our nature to give things away. It's in our nature to keep. And I will take this a step further. I'm going to replace one of these words. Most people can't give anything away. And the reason that they can't give anything away, don't miss this, is because of horrifically poor money management. Getting into things that they can't pay for. Doing things that they know that they shouldn't do. And then the generosity portion of our lives fade because we can't get our own financial houses in order. Years ago, Caitlin and I went through a class together to try to get these things right. And we met with some financial advisors because I had, about five years ago, I coined a phrase in my life that I was going to you know, use from that point forward related to money. I said, I'm going to stop taking financial advice from people who are broke. And I think that that's important for all of us to kind of put in there because there are people who've done this well and we can learn from others. But Caitlin and I put a plan into action. We had over $70,000 in debt like liquid debt, not mortgage that is good stuff, $70,000. And we kind of had a family meeting and we said, we are going to spearhead this and attack this. And I'm happy to say that five years ago, we paid off every single dime of that debt and have not got back in because it was that important to our future because we wanted to be generous. We wanted to be able to give of ourselves and not just our time. We wanted to be able to give of our resources to other people because it wasn't just about us. Going back to the beginning of this message, it's so important for us to understand that money is not bad. Money can be good. And here's what I want you to know today. Money's a good thing. How you manage it can be a better thing. Money's not a bad thing. Money can be good. How you manage it can even be better. The rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is slave to the lender. Slave. Slave to the lender. And if you're here today and you're in debt, and what I've said in your life is striking a chord, and it's something that you've dealt with over the course of your time, I would tell you this. Do whatever you can to figure out how to claw your way out of it. After the band comes up and kind of closes us with a song, I'm going to come up and talk to you about some things that go on in our area. But here's what I kind of want you to know as we close. Money is a good thing. How you manage it can be a better thing. And here at Downtown Harbor Church, we have been taking a look at the Jesus movement. And we've been taking a look at what it means to show love to God, our creator, by loving those around us as ourselves. And I want to read you one last verse that changed the way that I look at money, maybe even more than this verse did. It's so important. Here's the verse. Matthew chapter 6, 24. 
You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration for the one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. Meaning, if we're believing what we say we're believing around here, that showing love to God in its truest form exists when we show love to other people, if we love money, subsequently, we will never be able to fully love others to the best of our ability, which subsequently shows love to God. That's what I think this means. You can't worship God and money both. And worshiping God is really all about loving those around you to the best of your ability. And if you believe that and you want to do that, then my goodness, we've got to figure this money thing out. Because the truth is, when we don't manage our money properly, when we don't handle our finances to the best of our ability, we end up ruining our lives and we ruin the lives of people that we should care about the most. And there will come a point in time, if it hasn't already, where you, related to your money, if you swim in debt and you can't experience generosity and you're just trying to get out day after day, week after week, you will ask the question, I guarantee it, what was I thinking? It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But someday in each of our lives, there come a point where we'll look back We'll reflect on everything we've done. I don't want to ask this question. I want to stop asking this question in my life. I want to make better choices. I want to use my words carefully. I want to be close with my family. I want to not be angry. I want to manage my money so well so I can be generous and not ask this question anymore. We want all of you to figure out how to do it with us.